And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. That's right, you are looking at Josh the Punk Thompson with his I'm intelligent glasses on. Which and I've got true. the most boring background in the world, but I do have a yeah. fern to one side. And it's not between two ferns because I don't have one to the other side. But we are here for the Weighing In Podcast, and we are ready to go. we got a lot to talk about. We've got a big weekend of fights with the UFC having Derek Lewis against Spivak. But the big one is the Bellator Show with Fedor against Bader. Johnny Eblen taking on Anatoly Tokov, which is a hell of a fight. We're going to talk about all of it. My man, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I got up real early today. I was, by, I was at the gym by 345 this morning. Got my workout in for about an hour. Lost got back your home. mind. Yeah, Sleeping. I know. I know. I just, I'm on a routine right now, man. I've been getting up early. I did the, got up, went to the gym, did my workout, did the sauna, came home, hit the cold plunge for about three minutes, four, three and a half, and then came back out. Just lost uh, me on that one. Yeah, showered up a little bit, cleaned up, and then uh, did my morning errands, and now we're back here. It's early in the morning on Tuesday, but this will drop on Wednesday morning. But man, I'm pumped. This week is gonna be a f- it's gonna be a week of just nothing but excitement. John, I want to you and I, we got hit with something last week, but we are now gonna be hosting. Do we take light- it? We take it. Yes, yes, we do. We are. All right. Uh, we're gonna be hosting the lightweight World Grand Prix uh, presser. Like we did when it was AJ versus uh, Patricio Pitbull, we're gonna be doing some. We're gonna be doing that same thing, but we're gonna be talking about every single top lightweight in Bellator. Cannot wait, Usman Nurmagomedov. You got Benson Henderson. You've got Tofik Mosayev, Sydney the Gun Outlaw. I mean, you've got a Alexander Shabli. This guy's fantastic boxing. I mean, it's gonna be a f- some fun fights coming up in this World Grand Prix. And of course, Patricio and AJ. Yep. Uh, not Patricio. Sorry, P- P- uh, Patricio. Patricky. And AJ, and uh, hey, if he gets that win, John, he will be the first person to ever beat both Pitbull brothers. Damn, that's I never even thought about that. Yeah. That's true. Chandler you had his shot. That did not work did. well. No, it didn't work well for him. So. Yep. The 145-pounder came up and starched. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but hey. I don't know about this starch. Week, but it was, well, I mean, like when I wake you back up with some more shots, I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> I would say saved by the referee, not not early stoppage. I would say saved. But you know, I always feel bad for guys. And you know, Cain Velasquez was one of the same ones. Guys, they get touched behind the ear with a with a decent mm-hmm. shot, and it just disrupts them. And it's like they're there, but they ain't there. No, you know? nope. What no, happens. like, did you did you do that fight? No, 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 no. Who did that fight? Who was the ref for that fight? Rob Madrigal. The Out fact that refs. I can just pull this up yeah. like yeah. that for you. <laughs> that's pretty impressive john thank you I, I, could, I can't remember where i put my keys 30 hour 30 minutes ago but i mean like I that's can't. okay at least i found my wallet now yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is true big john found his wallet well actually well, i didn't find it someone did wallet. thank you someone yeah. did and uh i want to know if there's gonna be any money in it when you get it doesn't matter that's what i want to know doesn't, doesn't matter. matter but i mean it's gonna cre- they're it. charging you 150 bucks correct to fly yeah. it back to you yep but then you canceled all your credit cards already so that's a pain in the ass yeah. but at least you get that's your right. id back and yeah you know, whatever else is in there that you might have needed, I guess, you know. Um, but it it's would be good. nice. I had I had a buddy who uh lost his wallet and there was five hundred and fifty dollars in it and they returned it. All Oof. the cash was left inside it. Very left nice. Left it at the left it at the gym. He's like, Hey man, we found it. he's like, Hey, I just wanted to call 
I know it's a long shot, but did someone return a wallet in yesterday? They're like, yes, sir. What's your name? Said the name. Boom. Like, yep, we got it here. He's like, oh, okay, cool. He showed up to pick it up. Still $550 left in it. Dude, I'm man. Like, you can pull, pull, pull out that money and I pop it right in front of him. That's for you. Yeah, but it, he didn't know who returned who turned it in, so he's asking if they know who turned it in. But, okay, well then, yeah. if I don't know them, then hundred bucks for the person at the desk because they didn't take it either. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, that's true. that's true. I mean, that's some good stuff, though. I mean, like it's good karma. When you just start losing faith in humanity. Boom. Yeah, something like this happens, and it, and go, it keeps yes. you going. Keeps you going. Um. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started on this uh, this week. But before we do that, let's go to WayneAndMerch.com. Pick up some of our new hoodies. Long sleeves, short sleeves, new designs are all out. Big John, move that mic to the side if you can, because I know you're uh, filming out of a hotel. But look at that T-shirt right there. We got some new designs. I'm not a big skull person, so I don't rock the skull. No, but I like this one. But I like that font. And so do I, I also like I also like the t-shirts because the quality is is next it's next level literally it's called next Ooh, level because that's next that's level. the brand of the shirt <laughs> but yeah they do they do the uh, poly cottons they do the tri blends do it all so great nice quality shirts very fit soft. well it's nice and soft and it's not a layer on top of a layer they press it right into the into the uh, cloth nicely done. I've uh, done a little bit of research in terms of because I own my own t-shirt company and my own jitsu company as well. So <laughs> I've learned a couple things about this type of stuff. So um, check it all out at WayneAndMerch.com. Also, before we move on, you got to hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell. We're going to be launching a bunch of new content this week. Big John, you know, we've got Podcast Day flying into L.A. Please, God, help us. I don't have to deal with them too much. <laughs> Uh, twice a week over this thing is enough. No, nah, the question, the real question is this. I love the fact that podcast Dave is coming, hooking up with us and we're going to be doing all this stuff. Who's the person that doesn't survive the weekend? That's the oh, question. Be podcast Dave. Okay. It's be podcast Dave. You and I have been surviving each other for <laughs> That's it. five years now. Easily. I just, five I just years. figured, well, you know, with all yeah. the crap that we've done and everything that we've pulled, it's like, we're both still here. Podcast Dave. I don't know, man. Can he hang? He's a rookie, man. Yeah, he's a rookie. That's the problem. You know, also too, he's got that runner body now. It doesn't absorb alcohol like it used to. So he's he's kind of screwed. He's kind of screwed. But so, I'll still be the one to wake up at five a.m. drunk or not and get on that treadmill. Oh uh, no 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 no! We do that. We do that. No, we do that every we, we time. Do that. John walks. I run. But whatever. Man. <laughs> that's all right, dude. I, I was at no the gym by three forty-eight today. Three forty-eight a.m. Wow, buddy. I was at the gym. That's good. I got video footage. Video footage is on my Instagram. Check it out. You know yeah, what, Dave? Do me a favor. Pull that up. He's always he's always bringing his feet into this equation. <laughs> oh, John, uh, him and his. No, feet? you. You always oh. start at your feet with your videos. Yeah. Oh, I know. I that, I know. It's like my little thing. His four year old videos. I don't, I don't, I don't like the show. Come. I uh, Ariel. Who? I don't even know who that name is. Who is, is this? Is this some like? Um, is this hey, who? Like, all right, I gotta ask you on your one, on your one Instagram. Who? Whose house was that? That you were doing your little walkthrough. Oh, it's very nice, isn't it? It's very nice. nice. That was his. Uh, that was his little secondary property up in the mountains. <laughs> Dude, if that was his secondary yeah. property, he wouldn't be yeah. sitting here on this microphone. No, <laughs> actually, no, actually, uh, it's a friend of mine's who we did an investment on, and he, it's we do weddings there. Oh, very so, nice, nice. Yeah, place. He, he, it's mainly his, but it's uh, yeah, I just help pitch and we do stuff for people for weddings and special events because they got a huge barn set up and. Overlooks the vineyard. Sweet. It's got the pool. Yep, it's all it's all uh, it's all set up on the 
the east side of Gilroy, up on the mountainside there to overlook where the sun sets coming down behind Santa Cruz. So nice work, man. It's, nice a, it's a beautiful place. When they bought it, it was just the house. And then put the pool in, the waterfall. It's got a, it's got a cave uh, wine cellar that you go down into. So you go down into like a little cave and then it sits probably about eye level. The, the ground is about eye level, but you go down into the cave and it just stays cool in there. Yeah. It's, the full it's, pizza, it's, it's the full a root cellar. Pizza oven. Yeah. It's a root cellar. Whatever you call it. That's, that's what I'm making right so, now. Yep. Oh man. Get the digger. Get the oh, digger yeah, for that. baby. Jeez. I saw it. It's so funny. <laughs> I saw you doing your spins. <laughs> like, look, he's on a merry-go-round. I'm on a merry-go-round. <laughs> I just um, bought a toy. It, a very expensive toy, by the way. I don't want to ever hear shit about how I spend money from you. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. I don't want to hear anything from you. Jeez. Uh, um, right, well, hey, hold get- on. Before we go, you know what's funny is, if you remember back, you at, at uh, Tough 2, mm-hmm. Matt Hughes and Rich Franklin were the coaches of Tough 2. Tough 1 was Chuck and, and Randy. Yeah. And at the end of it, they gave Chuck and Randy uh, Hummers, H2 yeah. Hummers that were all decked out in the UFC mm-hmm. stuff and everything. They were, it, was, it was very nice of them to do and stuff. Yeah. Well, they did the same thing for uh, Franklin and Hughes, but with Franklin, they gave him, you know, a really nice car. Or something. For Hughes, they gave him a tractor. And I go, yeah. man, I'd be pissed. It was a John Deere pack tractor. And I go, man, tractor. Now, man, dude, I'd love to have that tractor. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever you need. That's it. I'm, That's yeah, it. I'm gonna be honest. You know, I don't know if you know the story about Kane. They offered, they bought him. Dana shows up in a Ferrari, and Kane goes, "I don't want that." It's he goes, a... "Take it back." He's like, "I don't want it." He's, <laughs> he made him take it back. He ended up getting, he ended up giving him a, a Porsche because he wanted the Porsche. Oh no! So shit. he got some. Yeah, it was like some new, brand new Porsche that came out. I'm not really very familiar with like these type of things. Um, but when it comes to the vehicles or any type of manual labor or anything like that, either, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just remember the story is that they, they rocked, they showed up and, and Dana had the Ferraris. Yeah, this is for you. He's like, for doing the tough. He's like, oh, he's like, I don't want this. He's like, I was hoping I get the Porsche. And he's like, Dana's like, what? You don't want the Ferrari? And he's like, no, no, not really. Yeah. So he just, he, all right. So they went back and got him the Porsche, man. Oh, and then, funny. and then Kane, Kane, kid you not. Had that thing for like three years, two years or three years. Then he sold it and went and bought like a 1981 Porsche, fixed it all up, made it the way he wanted it. He wanted an old school looking one. I think to this day, he still has that one. I haven't seen it in a while, but he still had it the last time I saw him. So, but yeah, it really just comes down to what you want. Like uh, Koscheck ended up getting a Hummer. He got the the black Hummer that he had from uh, Coaching Tough. Yep. And um, who else was on that? Who else did the the coaching on that? I can't remember. But yeah, those are the guys that I remember. DC did it. I think DC did the coaching one time, didn't he? No, I, I don't did. think so. Did he? Yeah, he might have. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, think yeah. he did. Yeah, think way, he did. way later on, yeah, he did. Maybe he did, uh, or maybe he was just part of Kane's. I don't know. I'm so, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. him there, but it's like, yeah, was, was yeah, he part he was of somebody else's camp? Yeah. All right, well, hey, let's uh, make sure you guys hit that little bell because we're gonna be dropping a lot of extra content for this week. Showing up at the CBS, uh, Bellator at CBS, uh, Fedor's last fight of his career win or lose he is retiring the he's last go clear. for the last emperor yep he's gonna be that'll be his last walk to the cage that's it i mean in the cage anyways outside of just cornering but it should be uh this this is a lot of nostalgia for it all but before we get into fedor and cbs and and all of the bellator uh stuff that we're going to talk about let's get into the ufc first ufc is this is it called 218 
or is Vegas it 68? No, yeah. Vegas 68. It's in the apex. So, God, I wish they would stop putting this headline up here. UFC Fight Night 218, Lewis versus Spivak. Well, that's because right. they're, they're, they're combining all of the fight nights. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I get it. The UFC switched it. As soon as it started going to the Apex and being in Vegas, it was UFC Vegas. Yeah. They should have just called it Apex. UFC yeah, Apex. UFC Apex. That's what they had. Just call it the Apex, Thank man. you. I agree. Apex. What is it? You said 68? Vegas 68, yep. Vegas 68. Oh, I kind of like Vegas 68. It kind of rolls off the tongue pretty well. Yeah, but what about all the other fights in Vegas? No one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, John, Derek Lewis versus Sergey uh, Spivak. Yeah. Tell me, what do you think? The, I, big, the power, the speed. I, like, uh, the, I, I yeah. call Spivak the big walrus. Dude, he, <laughs> he, dude he's, okay. he's shaped like a walrus. Dude, the guy's actually tough as hell. He's very good. We know. The real question is, you know, I saw all that, the video and the uh, Stuff on Derek Lewis. Is he slimming down? What weight is he going to come in at? Because it's always a question of Derek is limited by the gas tank. He is super explosive. He's super strong. And I don't care if he comes in lighter. He's still going to be strong. That's not going to go away. So does Derek Lewis come in in a, in a condition to fight that we haven't seen before? I hope so because it's going to change my mind. Because if he comes in like that, I think Derek Lewis is going to get the win. But if he doesn't and he comes in as the old Derek Lewis, I think he's got one minute of, of opportunity to hurt Spivak and put him away. Other than that, I think Spivak is going to take him down, put him on the ground, and beat him up down there. He's, you know, Derek cannot be on the bottom of, in any fight. In the top position on the ground, Derek Lewis is a monster. In the bottom... He is a turtle waiting to be run over by a semi-truck. And that's just the truth as far as, you know, he doesn't have that skill set. So I really am wondering what weight is Derek going to come in and what condition has he got himself into? Has he finally put in his mind, hey, I don't want to be limited by my gas tank? Yeah, his fans are not encouraged by this, by the way. I mean, there was a couple articles that I see and people were talking about like, look, we're not we're not going to be encouraged by the fact that he's losing the weight, that he's coming in shape. We want to see him actually apply it. So once it does happen, they'll be more uh, enthusiastic about him being in better shape. We've heard all this before, not just from Derek Lewis. We've heard this from all sorts oh, yeah. of heavyweights. Oh, I'm in better shape. Oh, I mean, I remember a couple of times hearing Frank Mir say it. Oh, it's the best shape I've ever been in. And then going out there and gassing in two and a half minutes. Uh, we've heard it from a lot of top heavyweights all across uh, the board. Uh, Derek Lewis, I want to know how much of his power will go away with the weight drop if he does get in shape. I know he's got those big paws. I know that he, if he touches you, the speed maybe increases when he loses the weight and drops down a little bit. The cardio should increase as well. But you know what doesn't increase right off the bat in the first in that first fight of you being in shape is the mental, the mentality of knowing I can go longer, I can go further. I can push there's harder. There's still that fear. Yeah. That's there's still that fear. There will be of yeah. I can be I can get tired. I agree. And and eat, no matter how good a shape you're in, you're you're gonna try to press and push that threshold sometimes too much because you're feeling good, and then all of a sudden you, you're done. Is you're not you don't feel tired until you're done until your <laughs> until your output is is over. Yeah. Frank Shamrock used to tell me then this you're all exhausted. the time. He, Frank Shamrock had this thing: you don't feel tired until you stop moving. So just don't stop moving. And that's the way he fought. If you go back and you watch some of his old past fights, I mean, his fight with Tito Ortiz, he never stopped moving. Never. Oh, yeah. 
That was his game plan, was just to keep moving. Didn't matter if he was trying to get up or not. He was just keep bumping, keep making him work, keep making him struggle, keep making him squeeze tight. And it worked. Oh yeah. Um, look for him. I, I look, I look, I look at Derek Lewis. He's got to be able to have the energy to circle, keep the distance, snap the jabs, throw the big power punches, keep his back off the fence, turn him off the fence. Spivak is just another another level if he can get the takedown. If he can get the takedown early and often in that in that first you know minute and a half, two minutes, I think that it's going to get easier and easier to get the takedown, which it normally is when you're dealing with heavyweights, and then also holding him down. Because Derek Lewis, what he does have, John, is that that ability because he is so strong and so big, just to like stiff arm you off of him. I've oh, seen yeah. him, I've seen him do it five or six times easily. He just grabs you in the armpit. And just rolls to the side, and yeah. you just fly off. He's able to stand up and get up. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, it's a good technique for a big man in you know that situation. He, a lot of times I've seen him, he'll do it. He usually does it under the arm, which is the best thing to do. I see him push off the neck and head area and still get yeah. it. And so you talk about the strength factor. And when I say, look, he's not going to be any you know weaker. Will he be one percent weaker? Possibly. Will he be possibly you know? up to 2% we possibly so what that's not going to make yeah. a difference in that fight and so i just look at it i really hope that he comes in in shape and he puts on a performance cuz god knows the guy's fun to watch he's fun to listen to he's got a great personality nothing against spivic but if you're talking about the guy that people are going to really be looking at to you know the sell the fight yeah, it's yeah. derek lewis well, if he loses one or two percent of his strength, I mean that still makes him ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent stronger than all the other heavyweights. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but overall, I want to see him get a win, man. What is he? He's lost four in a row now. Yeah, it's been a bad streak. Can you can you check and see what he is? I think it's four in a row. Nope. No, oh, he had a win in there. Between. Nope. Who did the winner? Dawkins. Dawkins. Oh, that's right, man. That was a beautiful yeah, knockout yeah. against Dawkins. But I mean, if you look at the guys that he's lost to, right? Pavlovich, uh, Tuavasa, and Sergon. Those three guys are in the top. They're top five. Yeah, you know it's not like he's losing the cans. I mean, he you put him against any of the other heavyweights. I mean, look and he beat Curtis Blade right before he lost to Cyril Gone. I mean, Blades is number three or number two. I think three or four. I think right there is where Blades is at. And they beat uh, Olenek. I know Olenek's older. Latifi also, and then uh, Bagoy. You know, Bagoy is. I mean, I've known Bagoy for a while because he trained at AKA for a long time. I mean, he's got some good wins. Junior Dos Santos. He's got some, I mean, great, he's got he's got some, some big wins, wins against some big names. Yeah. You know, so. Dude, he's got, he's, uh, got a, he's got a win against a guy there that, by the name of Engano. You know, let's uh, be honest. You know, it's not, it wasn't a pretty fight and it wasn't a, it wasn't a good fight for either guy. And neither, either guy could have, you know, ended up getting that win in that one, but he got it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for, I wanted to get a win. I, like you said, he's, he's the more marketable fighter. He's the more approachable fighter. He's the more charismatic fighter. He's the guy that I think for the heavyweight division, he adds a little flavor. People will always want to try to tune in to watch him fight because my balls are hot. You know what I mean? And, and it really does sell. It really does help with the heavyweight division because let's be honest, the heavyweight division is a, a very lackluster division right now. I think when John Jones comes in, it'll, it'll spruce it up a little bit, but not until he actually fights, which yeah. that date is set now, which is great. But up until that fight happens, Everyone's going to be like, ah, okay, it's just another division. Like, Cyril Gone is probably the next, he has the potential to be the next champion, but will he get it done? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to get it done. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. And then Stipe is still in that mix. I mean, he just came out and said, hey, man, I want the winner. Yeah. I was like, oh, where did that come from? Very interesting. Very interesting. 
Well, you can't blame him for wanting the winner and stuff, no. but again, and this is where Stipe is getting older. Yeah. Inactivity hasn't hasn't been, you know, fighting. You know, he's he's in a basic, I don't want to say, a, you know, a nine-to-five job, but he's a fireman working, you know, full-time now and stuff. So, you know, where's his attention at and everything? Yeah. I would love to see him come back and, and do it one more time and see him up against someone like John Jones. You know, we'll see what happens with it. No, I get it, man. I've been calling up DC going, hey, man, get your fat ass up off that chair and start getting on the treadmill. I want to see you and John Jones at heavyweight, son. He's like, he's like, Josh, that ain't like, don't, he's like, don't text me this shit, please. <laughs> he's like, Stop texting me this shit. He's I'm saying, like, where you at? He's saying the same thing you've been telling people. I ain't oh, yeah. going back. I ain't going back. Fuck yeah. no. After I've been away. No, there's no way, man. There's no way. Uh, all right. Well, let's go into the next fight. We're, what we're going to do out of this card is we're going to break down the fights that we uh, definitely feel interested in. Uh, we may not get through the whole card in terms of, you know, but there will be some fights that we're going to pick out on this one. Um, I think that the UFC also, too, with Bellator, I think they knew what they were combating with each other. And so um, let's not put a bunch of high price fighters on here, knowing that we may not get the results that we need in terms of uh, viewership. But um, the Unjung versus Devin Clark. You know, Unjung is a guy, man, he's zombie like. Durable as hell, big punching power. Devin Clark comes from a wrestling background. And he's a great wrestler. His stand-up has gotten way better. And there's two Devin Clarks. This is the problem when you're when you're watching them, Josh, is you don't know which one you're gonna get because I've watched Devin Clark fight really smart, really well, utilize his wrestling, use his stand-up to get to the wrestling part, and then dominate guys, and you go, Man, there you go. You've got it. You understand? In the next yeah. fight, not doing any of it. And so you just look. I don't know which guy is going to show up. I I know what guy is going to show up with Ong Jung, because it's the same thing every time. He comes forward, he lays down big shots, big pressure, and that usually gives Devin Clark problems. So if Devin can't utilize his wrestling, it's going to be a painful night. Yeah, I think with Devin though, he's got to make sure that he's moving forward. If he starts moving backwards and then try to utilize his wrestling moving backwards, it's going to be a lot longer of a night for him it's also a lot harder to get that takedown off of moving backwards you have to really squat down lower the level and shoot those 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 uh, hips underneath your opponent and it's hard to do that when your back's up against the fence or when you have nothing to really push off of in terms of the spacing so you need to make sure that uh jung is reaching and overextending himself so maybe make him chase and then change change direction on the takedown if you get in deep you know there was frankie edgar was the best at doing that get in but he didn't try to like lift you and slam you all the time. He would just take change directions so many times that eventually your hips were so close to his, he could just lift and take you down. And he would normally do that. He was so good at getting in deep enough off of your reactions. Devin Clark, though, like you said, is someone that needs to make sure that he's pressing the, the pace. He's in the grill, making uh, Jung react. And if he can do that, then I think that he's he got, got a good night. chance of getting the win. But he's going to have to wrestle fucking for at least that first round, round and a half. We'll see if he can do it. Yep. Um, or seen Tabura versus Blagoy. We were just talking about Blagoy. I saw, so, I, I seen Blagoy, you know, training and he actually is looking good. You know, he, he, the whole backstory with Blagoy and everything that he's gone through and stuff. Because, you know, do you remember when, when Blagoy first came out as far as a name? Do you know what he did? You remember? No. Blagoy was the first one to, to dethrone Fedor in the World Combat Sambo Championship. He, ah. he beat Fedor in the finals, and ah. it was like, who's this guy? And 
that was Blagoy, and then he finally came out into MMA and stuff, and then he had the incident where he almost died in a street fight, bar fight. Yeah. He got stabbed multiple times and stuff. You know, luckily he made it through it, but he's you know he's really had a good career overall. But you know, I think that incident definitely had an effect on what his career was going to be and how he was going to be able to perform and stuff. But going against you know Marcin Tabura, I love Tabura as a fighter because he comes to fight. And he never gives up. He takes big shots at times to try to give his. And guys think they have him out of there. And it's close. And he works his way through it. And then based upon conditioning, because he's in condition, he may he may not look like that, you know, great body or anything like that. But he's got a gas tank. And he outconditions guys and then puts it on him and gets the win. Blagoy is a guy who's got a good gas tank as a heavyweight, though, too. So this is a really interesting matchup as far as. It is the stand-up for the most part of Tybura mm-hmm. against good stand-up from Blagoy, but Blagoy actually does better on the ground, but he tended to get into that, I like to stand-up. So mm-hmm. is he going to be smart enough to try to put Tybura on his back? We'll see, but it's it's a very close matchup. I think the size is going to be a little bit of a factor. Blagoy's not a big heavyweight. I mean, he's thick, he's shorter in stature, yeah. but he's not like tall. And uh, Tabura seems very tall to me. What is he like? Yeah. Six four. I'm gonna say six three. Six three, six four. In there, yeah. Okay. And then Blagoy is probably five eleven, maybe six foot. Yeah, he's yeah. A little so bit you shorter. have six three. Then you got Blagoy, who is six do, foot. Do, 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 six five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah. Six foot. Six foot. Yeah, five eleven. And then look at that picture, man. Come on, sure dog. Do a better job of giving him a better picture than that. What is it? If you guys look up Blagoy's <laughs> picture, bro. Man, that's fucked up what they just did. They did him dirty right there. So they do him dirty like a dog. Damn. That's messed up, bro. That's messed up. <laughs> but no, um, look, I've seen Blagoy come up. I mean, he was one of DC and Kane's main sparring partners coming up when those guys were making their run to the title. And uh he can wrestle. Oh yeah. He's got he's got good uh what's it called? Hip toss, foot he's sweeps. Got a, he's he got does, a very good hip toss man and he hits it fast if he gets an overhook on you Mm -hmm. and he starts to come to the side look out you're gonna go for a ride but it is harder though john with to hit those hip tosses against someone who's taller than you yeah because your 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 overhook is hanging up high and it's you don't have the same power yeah he's gonna have to pummel inside get the underhook on that try to wrap that waist maybe a little bit and then just try to get his hip in to to hip toss him from there Uh, i've seen him uh hit some very good foot sweeps off the cage too or against off the wall. He's really good at bouncing you kind of and making you react and then just kind of like foot sweeping you at least to your knee so then he can get to the front headlock, shuck behind and get behind and start doing some damage there. I think that I agree with you. I think Tybura will probably have a little bit better cardio. Uh, It depends all about how Blagoy fights this fight, whether he stays in front of him and trades with him, which is ill-advised, but he can do enough. He can do it a little bit, yeah. but he's going to have to wrestle fuck him a little bit. Like I said, he's got to grind against Devin Clark. He has to he's grind. Got the grind on him. Yeah. But I think if he gets that takedown, you know, once or twice in that first round, he's able to hold Tybura down because he will be the better top guy, the better top pressure. Tybura is going to have a hard time getting up off his back if uh, Blue Boy gets him down. True. So, it, but I, I'm surprised this is not the co-main event, to be honest. The heavyweights yeah. above the, above uh, Devin Clark and those guys. I'm surprised. This should be a fun fight. Tybor and, and Blagoy. All right. Doho Choi versus Kyle Nelson. I don't even know how you say it. Doho, Doho, Doho Choi. I just say Choi. <laughs> Choi versus Nelson. There you go. Uh, what do you think? Choi's good. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's got good movement. He stays. He, I like how he stays long with his striking. I believe, though, is that he, is, he, he, he can take a shot. He can give a shot. 
I mean, it really comes down if he can just keep that distance and use his technique and you, but he can also mix it up a little bit of the wrestling Troy can, but I would say he's going to try to keep this thing on the feet, outpoint him. I don't see him having the knockout crush power to get Kyle Nelson out of there. No, I don't think so. It's a, it's a volume attack if you're going to do it, but it's also the variety of the attack mm-hmm. that if Choi fights his fight and puts Nelson moving backwards or against the cage, you know that he's doing well in the fight and things are going his way. Nelson's got to make this a fight where he makes Choi feel uncomfortable, you know, and he can do that. It's just, will he do it? Or is he going to get to the point where he just starts to try to just feel the fight out? And as the fight is, is starting to play out, He's moving himself backwards more and more or off to the side, laterally trying to get away, but that fence is starting to get in his way, and then he's in nothing but trouble. So we're going to find out. Choi, Choi's a handful. He, he's very talented. You know, I would say that he's got the advantage in this fight. Yeah, I would say it to, I would say so as well. John, I'm a, like I'm going to go through these names. You tell me. Like, there's a lot of fighters on here that I have I don't know. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. No, you have... Um, Yusaku Kinoshida versus okay. Adam Fugit. And then you got Jacob Asperado versus, uh, versus uh, Anshul Jubli. You've got Jiang Yong Lee versus Zai. You've got. So, what was it you said at the beginning of this? I, that I'm murdering names? No, no, no. You said, you said, look, the UFC looked and said, yeah, you know, that's a matchup. How many views are we going to We're going to bring in guys that we are. One fight These in the UFC, you know, yeah. maybe two, maybe none, and let's just see how they do. You know, there's a lot of you know, a lot of guys to watch that you know people haven't seen, and so that's good. That's a good thing, yeah. you know, for people to to be able to see how good is this guy. Because as we say all the time, there's a lot of people out there, man, that are killers. You just don't know about them, and so that's what you're, you know, the UFC's given on this show. Yeah, you have Seong Guk Choi versus Hyung Sung Park. Six and one is Choi, and seven and zero oh is Sung Park. Park. I'm I don't know either one of them, you guys. I'm just being honest with you guys. I don't want to sit here and tell you guys I do. Um, but there's a lot of fighters on here that they have good records: ten and two, six and zero, oh, nine and one, twenty one and three. Zai Yi versus Young Young Lee uh, is Young Young Lee is nine and one, and Zai Yi is twenty one and three. I mean, that's, those are pretty good records right there. But I get all the way down there. I've seen I've seen Jung Young Park fight versus, and then I don't know who uh, Dennis Tulion Leon. I don't even know how you say that name. <laughs> yeah, butcher. Two. I know, I'm man. These fun. are and is it? I can't. And, I, and, I, and it's not that you can't see the name because you got your glasses on. <laughs> I know. I can see it. I don't have an excuse now. I should have said that. I should have left my glasses downstairs. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know all these fighters. So I, I'm going to have to tune in and watch, but we're going to have to watch it the day after the Bellator event. So yeah, excuse right. us on this one, but I'm going to have to watch and see what these guys can do. I'll see you later. All right. Well, hey, we're going to go move into uh, the Bellator talk uh, coming up this weekend on CBS. But before we do that, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit the little thumbs up. That's the algorithm that will help us grow our show. And uh, hit that little bell because we'll be producing a lot of extra content this week at the Bellator CBS because Podcast Dave is getting up off his couch and coming with us for once. So it's going to be nice to have him around with someone to beat up on. But, hey, we're going to jump right into the main event. You got Ryan Bader versus Fedor Emelianenko, 30-7 versus 40-6. This is I've said this for the longest time. Ryan Bader is a way better fighter at heavyweight. Absolutely. The, the wrestling that he carries, the speed that he has. He is getting older in age now, so the speed is 39. not what it was. Yeah, he's 39. You know, um, 
I look at this fight, everyone just thinks it's going to be a repeat of the first fight. I don't think so. I don't think so either, John. I don't think so either. I think people people need to realize that when someone has a goal in front of them, they're laser focused. And Fedor Emelianenko has, this is my last fight of my career. That goal is in front of him is to get this fight back. John, he begged for that. Oh, he begged, begged for it. No, he didn't. He, he begged for he this He made fight. it very clear. Yeah. This was the fight he wanted They back. tried to give him how many other different opponents. Yeah. And he kept saying, I don't want them. I want Ryan Bader. I want Ryan Bader. And he had looking, yeah. you go, I, I totally understand it. You know, yeah. especially for the, you know, a guy that, look, he's done it all and everything. And you can sit there and say, you know, why not? Why would you yeah. not want to get, you know, another shot at Ryan Bader? And for Ryan Bader, what is there? There's, you know, there's that, where's the upside? Mm-hmm. Well, the upside is there's only been six people to beat Fedor. All right. And you take a look and you could be the only guy that ever beat him twice. Now, there's a lot of guys on Fedor's side of the equation that lost to Fedor twice, you know, and there were Noguera. great fighters. Uh, Noguera, Noguera, you know, lost twice to him. He was actually losing three times. If you're going to look at it when there was yeah, the headbutt, the, the cut, and they had to stop the fight. But, you know, Mark Coleman, you know, there's a lot of guys in there that went two times trying, didn't get one win. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking for Ryan Bader, you could be the only guy. You could put that mark on your thing. Hey, I beat the guy that they call the GOAT twice mm-hmm. in two fights. And to me, that's something that that's at least that's my target. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm I'm hanging my hat on is I want to be that guy. Yeah, you have to, people have to remember that he beat Noguera twice. It was beating him three times before Noguera went to the UFC. Oh, yeah. Before Noguera but, became the champion in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, there's, I look at all the other fighters, uh, you know, with Coleman. Coleman still went to the UFC and had a pretty good run in him. You know, I mean, I know he was older at the time. His body didn't do what he was doing, but he still had a pretty decent run. In, in remember, I think his last fight, his retirement fight, was against Shogun. Hua, Shogun Hua, right? Yeah, but that was a that was a great fight up until he got clipped and got caught. I mean, yep. Coleman Coleman fought with a little extra vigor. Yep. He had that. Coleman was extra, winning that fight. Yeah, he was, and I was like, "Wow, what is going on right now?" I mean, so when I look at when I look at what Fedor has done. Not just in pride, not just in affliction. I mean, he knocked out Andronovsky. You know, the the crazy jump in the air for the knee and just the overhand right, right on the chin, just slept him face down, ass up. I mean, and Andre still out there doing his thing. Yeah. You know, and um, so I look when I look at Fedor's career, it's been what? It's been almost 20 years, John. It has. It's been pretty close. I mean, it's been over been 20 years. It, yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. I know he's been over 20 years, but like in terms of his name recognition, when it first started oh, yeah. popping off. It was around that 2003, 2004 is when it really people started recognizing him as being, damn, this guy is so good. And he would fight anybody. It didn't matter who it was. Hungman Choi, uh, all these other, uh, what was a Zulu? I think he fought Zulu also. Oh, yeah. That big guy. I mean, like. Zulazino. Zulazino, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, there was just. Some freak fights in there. They were all freak. Uh, there were some freak fights in there. But, I mean, like, all those freak fights. It just brought a different way. You had to, you had, Fedor had to prepare for them in a different way, John. It's like, okay, this guy doesn't know a lot of things, but they're big. They're heavy. They're strong. Like, if I make a mistake, I can get knocked out. Um, he, he was willing to take risks and chances, and I know they paid him a lot of money, oh, but yeah. he just, he was willing to take those chances. 
And everyone says freak fights, all these things, right? But I also look at the company millionaires came out of that time and that era. And Bob Sapp, that guy's still living off of the off of what he did back then, you know, and Fedor just still doing it because he loves it. And he's got a young team that kind of all admire him and look up to him and that he's developed, you know, Nemkov, Tokov, uh, you know, another, uh, uh, the heavyweight, uh, no, Moldovsky, Moldovsky. So those three guys right there are just studs, just yeah. absolute studs. And so I look at this fight. I know I would like to see him go out on a win, but I also understand like I'm, I'm friends with Ryan Bader, man. And yep. I know that, I hope Ryan doesn't come in overlooking him going like, oh, all I got to do is just touch his chin. I mean, Chael touched his chin a little bit. You know, uh, some other guys have touched his chin. You know, he's went down. He's got back up. He's, you know, and and sometimes he gets rocked and he doesn't get rocked. I mean, it's, he's he's leaving behind a huge legacy that I'm excited to to call it a career on. But there's a little bit of like, oh, man, I can't believe it's over. Yeah. But, hey, this is, everything comes to an end. You know, there's always going to be that next guy coming up and stuff. And so, you know, Fedor's had just a hell of a run. But, you know, you take a look at, you know, like you were saying, you know, oh, that was back before anybody knew who he was or anything like that. There was that time. Because at the time when Fedor was starting to come up, Igor Vochanchin mm-hmm. was the big name. He was the guy he was fighting in a lot of, you know, three, man, three, three fights in a night tournaments. And he was starching people, this, you know, short Ukrainian just missile launcher that had huge power in his hands. But I'll, I'll never forget that there was, you know, a manager out there named Monty Cox yeah. and Monty Cox was, you know, a manager at a time when I think he had every UFC champion, you know, from the Militich camp, basically, you know, with Matt Hughes and Rich Franklin and Tim Sylvia, you know, he had Jens Pulver, he had all those guys. Well, he sends a guy named, I don't know if you remember, you remember Kerry Shaw? He used to call him Meat Truck. Super big, yes. heavy guy, you know? Yes, I do remember Kerry the Meat Truck Shaw, right? And he, and he sends Kerry to Japan to fight in rings. And he, goes, he goes, I got you this pudgy Russian dude. He goes, you're going to kill him. Kerry <laughs> <laughs> lasted about fucking, about a minute and a half, you know? And he says, who the hell was that guy? And you know, wow. that, was, that was him coming up. And, you know, Monty said, he goes, little did I know I was putting him in against Fedor. <laughs> it was like, hey, he, did, he didn't look like much, and he never has. And that's the best part about him. It is the fact that he is the everyday man. He's never been the big heavyweight. And he's the guy that, you know, Josh, in, you know, a time when, look at what's going on, you know, with social media and everything. In that time where everyone's opening their mouths and being big shots and, you know, saying, you know, ridiculous things. Name me the time you've ever seen Fedor disrespect somebody, disrespect his opponent, ever, you know, do some kind of mocking during the fight or anything like that. All he ever does is praise his opponents, show respect and acts like the champion that he is. Mm -hmm. And he's always been a champion, you know, no matter where he's been at. Look at he's the man, and he's always acted like he's been a great ambassador for the sport of MMA. Yeah, he speaks English a lot better than he leads. Oh, up. yes, he does. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. So, I mean, I've had a couple words with him in English, and uh, he speaks English just fine. Uh, but I love it, too, because when you're asking him questions at the fighter meetings or when he's doing pressers, and you ask him a question, he know he can. Well, because he, he smiles, what, he'll sit there and he'll he give smiles, a smile and he'll wait knows. for the interpreter. Yeah, <laughs> he's it's, like, it's oh, okay. funny. He just he knows, and so. But John, give me one of your most memorable moments of him. 
Oh my God. I'll tell you what, you know, if I was going to say my most memorable moment of him was when he lost. And I'm just going to say, you know, he was on, on a, on a win streak that was just incredible mm-hmm. going through it. Cause he, you can take a look and say, okay, he has, a, if you go all the way back on his record, mm-hmm. he's got a loss to Siyoshi Kosaka. And in that loss, that was in a tournament in rings mm-hmm. where T- TK, that's what we called Siyoshi, yeah, T- TK, yeah. TK lands an elbow. Now, he wasn't trying to throw the elbow, but he lands an elbow that cuts Fedor really well. And it was 18 seconds into the fight, and they stopped the fight based upon you know the cut, and it was a tournament, so they had to have someone go on. So TK fouls Fedor, and TK goes on in the tournament, and Fedor gets a loss. So I don't ever look at that as a loss. I don't say that that yeah. wasn't a loss. So if if you look at it, he had thirty, basically thirty one wins in a row, more than Jeez. Habib. Okay, and you look and he was you know came from Pride, was the Pride you know champion, went to Affliction, did those fights, and then he comes to Strike Force and they put him against you know Verdum. And in that fight, I did that fight, and it was he made a mistake, and yeah. this is what you know MMA is is part of it, and you can take a look of what Verdum did and what and what Fedor did, and he made a, a just a simple mistake that you can see if you watch it, and he gets bounced off the fence and he goes back into a position, he gets caught in that triangle, and he you know I called it the man tap because you know everyone talks about tapping in you know MMA and oh it's got to be three times it's like no it doesn't. A yeah. tap is one tap when you're in trouble that tells your opponent, I give, and the fight's already, and he, boom, one tap, and I stopped the fight. And it was the way he handled that loss because all the people around him, you know, it was like that whole thing of, you know, oh, he's invincible. And, and he always said, I'm not invincible. I'm going to lose. There's yeah. going to be that time. And those people were all distraught and everything. And he goes, why are you? And he says, why are you distraught? What is your problem? It's a loss. It means very little. He goes, I'll be back. He goes, and maybe we'll do it again. But give that man his props. He got me. Yeah. And I just the way he handled that whole thing was like, dude, I will always be a fan of yours. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, my 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 moment has it has to do with surrounds fights, but it's not of him fighting. Um I was at the S seventy where it's Putin's show yeah. um, out there in uh, in the Black Sea. Uh, we were actually in Sochi at the time. It was like literally like five months or four months away from the Olympics. Um, getting ready to go into it. was like October. I think it was October, September or October. Trevor was the main event fighting one of these uh, young kids coming up. And you've got, you know, Fedor there and you've got Putin there. And there's only about 200 to 250 people. And you're on a pier. There's tanks, not tanks, but a, uh, uh, boats what are they called battleships carrier, but battleships They're destroyers all, there's a couple couple different battleships around the you know obviously because putin's there and uh you know i just remember seeing him sit next to putin at the event and just very both of them very stoic just kind of sitting there watching the fights no real facial reactions when things were going on a couple little smirks here and there but um but then afterwards you know, he's talking with Putin and, you know, and I had seen him and I had met him before at the prides because I had fought out there and I'd been out there to corner some people. And he was always very nice. 
you know, very kind of almost shy, timid, you know, you come up and say hi, takes hi, take a picture, whatever it was. But we were there and um, I remember he saw me from across and he said hi. And I thought that was like, hey, come on over and say hi. And I didn't realize he was talking to Putin. And he looked at me and he go, <laughs> yeah, and he looked at me and he goes like yeah, that. Like stop. That it was, but it was like he did it kind of like, hey, like don't come over here. And for me that, I guess for me it was more of a, it was like, he kind of had my best interest at heart. Like, if I would have walked over and just started, it was like, it would have been probably, I don't know, just weird. You know, you don't ever know. I mean, like, you don't really, how often are you around, like, you know, a president or a, whatever you want to call whatever he is over there, you know? Um, a country's leader, how's that? Yeah, a country's leader, yeah. Like, whatever. But it was just one of those moments. And then afterwards, after Putin had left and everyone was kind of sitting around having drinks and, and everything, like, the, all the fighters were still there, uh, he walked over and just said hi. And we chatted for about two, you know, 20 seconds. And then yeah. it was like, nice to see you, see you back in the States, whatever it was, whenever you come, you know, whatever it is. And uh, that to me was kind of like a moment for me. That was, you know, outside of that. I mean, like I've seen him fight. I've been in the arena when he's fought. I've been, I watched the Verdun fight, you know, um, from there. I just, I care more about the, the personalization of moments that I've had with not just him, but other fighters as well. I mean, I've got so many stories with, with Dan Henderson, with, you know, you know, Chuck Liddell, you know, other fighters, sure. you know, Koshik and Fitch and everybody, DC Kane. It's like all those guys, but it's like, that was one of those moments that I think of to myself about him. And, uh, it was kind of like a, a personal moment. Like, Hey, I saved your life <laughs> kind of thing. So <laughs> it was, it was cool though. And, uh, even to this day, I still say, it. you know, we obviously see him all the time because of the Bellator connection, but yeah. Super good guy, like you said, humble, very sincere. It seems to be. I love the smirk and the smiles when he knows what you're saying, but he oh, waits yeah. for the interpreter, like you said, to talk. So, uh, but how does Ryan Bader get this done, John? Yeah, I think Ryan Bader gets it done by being a smart fighter and putting pressure on Fedor at the right times, but making him work, wrestle, go back to what is your base, man. You got to go back and say, hey, look, in the, in fights that I've seen lately, and here's a real difference if you're looking at things. Bader has been, you know, if you look at his last five fights, we'll say, probably been in the cage in those five fights for somewhere around an hour's worth of time, we'll say. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot of time because he's got a good gas tank. Mm -hmm. Fedor gets things done fast. You take his look, you know, his fight against Mir, boom, real fast. You look at his fight against Chael, one round, boom, fast. Look at his fight against Tim Johnson, boom, fast. All these fights, he's got probably in his last five fights, He's been in the cage, what, maybe 10 minutes? Okay, that says a lot that, you know, I saw Fedor starting to get tired when he was fighting Chael, when he had oh, yeah. to wrestle, when he had to get into grappling situations. And so that right there is telling me, yes, I won the first fight by a, a beautiful, you know, knockout, great job, put it right on his chin. I can't expect that to happen again. I need to grind on this guy, make him work, get him tired, and then put him away. And I think Ryan Bader can do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on the wrestling. But Fader was not the easiest guy to take down. I mean, Chael no. struggled to get him down. Chael struggled to hold him down. Other top heavyweights have tried to pressure him into the wrestling. A lot of what people don't understand with about Fedor, he's extremely fast. And he still possesses the power moving backwards. He knocked out Frank Mir moving yep. backwards, circling yep. and faded to the faded to his right, but through the faded left to hook. his right, throws the hook. Boom. Well, actually, throws the uppercut. Lights out. The uppercut. 
Yeah, Ooh. it was like a hook upper, yeah, a little hook yeah. upper cut there. Beautifully landed. The heavier guys are just not as fast, and the ability to keep wrestling after they've tried and couldn't get it, it goes away. So if they don't get it, like Ryan Bader will keep grinding on you on the wrestling. He will keep trying to push that issue if that's what he wants he has to work to. towards. And he has to. He's going to have to. But Ryan also has slowed down, John, at 39 years old. He has slowed down. And Fedor at 44, 45. 46. Yeah, he, he, he slowed down, but he hasn't slowed down as much as you would think. No, his hands are fast. fast twitch muscle. Yeah, yeah. Extremely fast. Now, also, Ryan Bader... The, the one thing, another thing that Fedor does that most people don't are unaware of, or maybe just have forgotten him off of his back. He's good. Whether oh, yeah. it's Kimura's, whether it's arm bar, bar, whether it's triangles, he throws up an arm bar fast. Yep. And it's there. Yeah. Now I'm not suggesting that he hang out down there and carry the weight of Ryan Bader, No, but don't, don't just think because he's a heavyweight that he has no submissions. That's what made him so dangerous early in his career. I mean, look at the look at the uh, Kevin Randleman scenario. I mean, he was attacking that Kimura, got slammed on his head, came back, and then finished him. I mean, it's like, the, but he he'll be threatening submissions, whether it's Kimura's, because he goes Kimura right to the hip toss to the top position, and then he has some of the nastiest, if not the nastiest ground and pound in the game ever. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't we haven't seen it as much because he doesn't hit the ground as often. Because like you said, they get out of there, he gets them out of there pretty fast on the feet. Mm-hmm. But in this scenario, Ryan Bader is going to have to wrestle. He's going to have to control that top position, not make mistakes like how Chael did. Chael went to the back, didn't get the hooks, tried the roll-through thing, didn't work yeah. out. All of that stuff. Ryan Bader doesn't strike me as someone to do something like that. But Fedor does have the power to put you out at any moment, and he's got the speed to get it there fast. That's it. So We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Fun. It's it's very... it's um. I can't believe this is all coming because, John, I know I said <laughs> you and I came. We talked about this about two years ago, right before was it last year? Was it last year? Was the Russian fight? No, 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. 2021. Whenever the Russian fight for his his he was supposed to fight in, in the Red Square in Russia in 2021. Then. Oh, no, he's supposed, supposed to war- fight in the Red Square in Russia in 2020 during that was when COVID hit, I think, wasn't it? No, I think it was 2021. OK, it was a year later. Yeah, they were going to do it there. But then the Ukraine and the Russian war started and then that whole thing just got nixed. So now we're here at the forum on CBS this Saturday. Make sure you guys tune in. Also hit that subscribe button, guys, because we're going to break down the rest of this card, which there's only going to be three fights on the CBS card. And the guy that is coming back from dethroning the legend, Gegard Mousasi, Johnny Eblen, young in his career, John, just extremely young, 12-0. and But he's looked dominant in all of his fights. I haven't seen him weather at all in his in any of his fights he hasn't looked tired he hasn't looked uh out of sync he's really coming together he's coming into his own on the feet on the ground and the wrestling he's a fantastic wrestler and he's a little bit of a ginger so he's got that (laughs) he's probably got that that weird strength i mean there's another word i want to use because we grew up saying it but i'm not going to say it because that's what we don't do around here but he's got that weird strength man against anatoly tokov who is 31 and 2 i believe 31 and 2 or 32 and 2 i think it's 31 31 and 2 31 and 2. This is going to be a good fight. Oh, it's a, a great, great fight. fight. But a really tough fight for Johnny Eblen on his first title defense. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge fight because Tokov comes with a lot of things that first off, he's not, he is very difficult to take down. He's like a he's like a uh, a compacted truck. He has power in his hands. He doesn't throw a ton of volume. He likes to, you know, wait and try to throw the big shot to, to hurt you, and then he'll go after you. 
but he's got very good wrestling, great wrestling defense. He's got good submissions. He's got the full game. And so you look at what can Johnny Eblen do in this? Well, Johnny Eblen can be Johnny Eblen. And that's exactly what you're saying is he has dominated. And I mean dominated. Very good opponents almost from the get-go. There's no fight that you can go back and look at and say, Johnny Eblen was in trouble in this fight. There isn't any. Johnny has been just fantastic in, you know, just in believing in himself and taking everything that he's been learning through the time that he's been at ATT and putting it into practice and then putting it into play. And, you know, Steve Moko is the guy that brought Johnny Eblen to American Top Team. And Steve, along with King Mo, have done a fantastic job. You know, this is, you know, you take a look at it, it was, uh, I think Johnny Eblen's first nickname when he was coming up, you know, at the beginning of his career, first couple fights was Soja Boy, right? Oh. And, right? And then it was the Korean Canelo because he does have the redheaded thing like That's you're talking about. That's my favorite one. That's right? my favorite one. And then it was Diamond Hands because then he was getting so good with his stand-up and he was starting to light people up and knock people out. So all of a sudden it was Diamond Hands. Now it is the human cheat code. And that's from Mo because Mo says – Look, I just sit there and tell him, and anything I say, he does. He, it's, it's like, like playing, playing a video game. game, and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's mm-hmm. exactly the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, his performance against Musasi, Josh, it was unbelievable. I mean, because he just dismantled a guy that we know how hard he is to take down. We know how good he is on the ground. We know his stand-up and his jab dismantled him in every aspect of that fight. There was never a time that Johnny Eblen was in trouble. It was all Gegard Mousasi in trouble throughout that fight. And I'll tell you what, if he continues on, this this guy's got an unlimited future and, and his potential to maintain that championship form and be the champion and even go up in weight class if he wants. Now, I, I'm not saying that's a good idea for him at this time. And you and I both, when, when he fought Gegard, I was like... <sighs> I'd like to see him have just one more fight, one more fight against top, you know, caliber, just to get him a little bit closer. He proved he proved me wrong. I was, you know, absolutely yeah. way off the mark, you know, and so he's just he's got his hands full with a great competitor. But every time he fights somebody that we, I look at and go, that's a great competitor, man. He just puts on a performance. So I'm expecting big things from Johnny Eblen in this. I'm expecting huge things from him, to be honest. And like you said, we had talked about him fighting Gegard, and, and he kind of even came at me at the at the uh, fighter <laughs> meetings. It's like, Josh, man, what do I got to do? For, I'm like, yo, you're fighting Gegard Mousasi. He's got yeah. a handful of losses and against and against top, top guys. Yeah. I, I can't take a guy who's 11-0 and 0 at the time and with think, a oh, ba- he's With a bag with- full of wins. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and he's going to come through, and you're just going to beat this guy who is fantastic. And not only that – but he's fought at heavyweight. He's fought at light heavyweight. He's the champ at light heavyweight. And then he's the champ at middleweight. Like he's fought everybody from heavyweight on down to middleweight. And he's even talked about going down to 70 because he doesn't cut a lot of weight. So to think that that I thought I didn't think that Johnny was gonna be able to bring anything to the table that he hadn't seen. But what he did bring was the ability to mix up everything. He stood on the feet, he wrestled, and when the wrestling got too tough, he ditched it and abandoned it, came back to the feet, and then went back to wrestling. But he created he the pressure. He wasn't married to one thing. He, no. In his mindset, wasn't like, oh, I've got to get this takedown or I'm in trouble. He didn't think like that. 
he thought, okay, the takedown's not working. Okay, back out, make space, let the hands go. And that eventually led to him dropping Gegard. You know, he sat Gegard to his knee or his butt or something like that and then hopped on him and was able to get some more work in. He kind of robbled him. I mean, he did a lot of great things in that fight that I'm like, wow, this this young man, the the, the, the there's no ceiling to him right no, now. Like, we don't even know where man. it is. This, yeah. It's so high. But then you've got Anatoly Tokov, who hasn't been the busiest of fighters either because he's had visa problems, can only fight in certain locations. You know, now he's got the visa situation figured out. But how does that affect Johnny Eblen, though, John? He hasn't seen a lot of current footage of Tokov and what he's been able to work on and how much better he's gotten because he's not a very active fighter. Now you're fighting a guy with 31 and 2. What is he like? What adjustments can you make for someone you haven't really seen fight? Well, he, he, there's there are a couple fights for him to see, and you, you can go back to that Russian show where, you know, he fought on that. But the, the problem with Anatoly that I've I've seen every time that I've watched him fight, he fights to the level of his competition. He is that guy where you look at and you go, man, you know, you should walk through this guy, and he doesn't. He lets the guy hang around and stuff like that, and you go, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And then he'll fight someone good, and you go. That's the guy that I've been looking for. That What a great performance. Yeah. And so Johnny's got to figure, I'm going to see the best Anatoly Tokov there is because, again, he fights to the level of his opponent. Well, he's fighting a guy who's great, so I expect Anatoly to be great. And like I said, the guy, he is very selective in what he does as far as his output. But when he decides to go there, especially you know in the stand-up, when he throws, he throws with bad intentions. And he does have power in his hands, and he's got good submissions. He'll, you know, I don't care if he gets a, if he gets that, you know, snap down on you, and he gets your neck. Look out! He's going to be putting a ton of pressure on you. He's got a beautiful, you know, ten finger guillotine. He's used multiple times. He's got great kimuras. He's the full package, and that's you know that's coming from a guy that you know. Look at where he, you know, he fights out of with you know Team Fedor and stuff. He's got great guys that he works with all the time with you know Vadim Nemkov and Moldovsky and all of them. And then he's got the little guys, you know, even his brother, you know, Vladimir, who is a talented fighter, too. So, you know, he's got a lot of people that he gets to train with that are top notch. And it's just a matter of does he put on the performance that I expect him to? Because every time, again, he kind of fights to the level of that opponent. Well, you're fighting the big one now. I expect a big performance. Let me ask you this. If you're. If you're Johnny Eblen, what kind of pressure are you feeling? You're normally the underdog. Like you were definitely the huge underdog oh, yeah. against Gegard. Nope. Yeah. And I would imagine I haven't seen the um the betting odds, but I'd imagine he's probably even money or he's slightly the underdog again. But how does it affect it? Now you're you're the underdog and you're the champ. Is that mentally affect you? I don't think not What's not, your you know, not 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 if you're someone with the skill set of Johnny Eblen and a belief factor because here it comes down to this. I want you to think of the fact that Johnny Eblen was training with a guy named Vadim Nemkov, mm, wasn't he? True. Yeah. When Vadim was training for Corey Anderson, Corey. it was Johnny Eblen that was his main training partner, and Johnny was the one that was in there with him and going, "All right, let's see." And they, and all I got is you know I got great stories and great I got some footage oh, and stuff yeah. of what they were doing and stuff, and it was battles. They were going, and so you're taking a look and saying, if you're Johnny Eblen, you're going. All right, I've seen what your team does. I've seen what a guy you know that you train with does, and he's bigger and stronger than you. And I did just fine. Now I don't think Johnny Eblen's got any any doubts in what he can do. Isn't that kind of weird though? That now now you're fighting his teammate, 
and you just spent the last camp making him better. No, his teammate. I mean, Why? Like, no, like, they know. They know. They know. Though they it just yeah, there's it. that that thing is a fighter. Like, wait, now they know kind of that I'm a really good wrestler. Oh, they know. Now they know that I'm uh, uh, that I'm that I can but, mix this. But up you got you got to but you got to figure that you know when Johnny was training with Vadim. There was no fight with Anatoly Tokov. Yeah, that was something that yeah. you could look and say in the future that could happen or something, but that wasn't set in stone. And then Vadim fell out, and that's yeah. how that fight came about. So, hey, interesting. It's all good. All right, to open up the card, to open up the card on CBS. But before we move on to that, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit that little uh, bell. You guys get the notifications. We'll be dropping some extra content this week at the Bellator CBS show for Fedor's retirement fight. Sabahu Masi versus Brendan Ward. I mean fireworks. John, this this fight ain't going two and a half, three minutes, I don't think. <laughs> See, you're going you're going I, half a round. I'll say I believe it ends somewhere in the first round. Yeah. And who it ends with, I can't tell you. I you can't know, tell both you. Both guys have power in their hands. Brandon Ward's got very good boxing. He's got good wrestling. Sabaho Masi has really changed as a fighter and he's fighting so much smarter now than he was in the past. Because in the past, look at you, you had Homasi, he had power, he was a berserker. He would just go in there and just start slinging. It's like, well, if you sling, you can get caught. And he got caught by yeah. certain people and, and things like that. And so you look and you go, that's not smart fighting. But you take a look at his last couple of fights. Man, first off, he still has power. And he's been fighting smart. He's been using his athleticism. He's been using wrestling to set himself up for his stand-up, which, you, t- you know, his last fight against uh, Mekon Mendoka, dude, it was the wrestling that he started to do that made Mendoka have problems, put his back against the cage, and then he lights him up with the hands and puts him out. And so Sabaho Masi has all the talent in the world to get this fight into the position he wants and get the knockout. Brendan has all the talent in the world to get this fight in the position he wants and get the knockout. <laughs> I do think yeah. it's going to end up with a, you know a knockout somewhere in that first round. I just don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, I think Brennan Ward just making his return. I think he's got two fights now under his belt yep. from taking a long sabbatical of, say, three, almost four years off. Um, and then you've got Sabahu Masi, who's been extremely active. And like you said, he's been consistently getting better and nope. smarter. Yeah. His work with Dustin Poirier and you know Mike Brown and that whole crew in this camp at ATT. Big difference. They're just getting better. They're getting better. That camp's getting better. They're gaining on AK. I know, I know. I'm home there. <laughs> But gaining, huh? They, they, yeah, they're gaining. Uh, but they, they've got so much talent out of that gym, and so I think he's just absorbing all the, all the knowledge that these top level guys are able to give him. That's what you're supposed and to do there. That's what you're supposed to do. But you know, some guys are knuckleheads, man. It takes them a while to get it through their head. But Sabah has been really taking it in, and you can see it. Uh, who did he fight? I think he fought uh, Curtis Millender. I think. He's fought I think Curtis it was a while Will. back, yeah. and he took him down. He's taking him down at will. Remember in that Dude. fight, he was piecing him up. How about the first Jaleel round, Willis? Round and a half. Jaleel Willis, Jal- yes, took down Jaleel Willis. Kyle Crutchmer couldn't take down Jaleel Willis. Right. Didn't get one takedown. That's what I'm saying. And so his wrestling's a lot better than people realize. Yeah, I mean, and but Brennan Ward's got great wrestling. I think he wrestled he out of the University of Oklahoma, correct? Yeah, well, he's I'll no, he didn't wrestle out of there, but he's he's worked out with the University of Oklahoma okay. guys. I know that and okay. stuff, but. So, I mean, like, he, he believes in himself. He believes in his wrestling. But the inactivity, I know he's got two fights coming back, but then the level of competition versus Homasi's level of competition versus Brennan Ward's level of competition on the return. But a great opportunity for both guys to open up the card. 
I agree with you, John. I don't think this fight's getting out of the first round. If it does, I don't think it lasts longer than a minute, minute 20 of the second round. Yeah. If if it does get out of the first round. I doubt it, though. Yep. Because if you guys haven't seen if you guys haven't seen the Paul Daly and Homasi fight, oh, God. you got to go back and watch that fight. Yeah. Got to go back and watch that fight. It was it was that was that was such a freaking great fight, fantastic fight. But um, all right, next fight, we're gonna we're gonna go through. We're not gonna go through the whole pre, all the prelims, but I'm gonna go back and we're gonna go through the prelims a little bit, pick and choose some of the top fights that we think you guys go should ahead. tune in for. Go ahead. This will all be on if we can get Dave to go back to uh, the card. Sorry, right. there we go. It's all right, buddy. It's all right. <laughs> Uh, you got Naaman Gracie versus Dante Scuro. Dante Scuro is pretty good on the ground. Naaman Gracie, obviously, Gracie, last name, fantastic. Being very comfortable on the feet lately, but it cost him in his last fight. Well, I go. think in this fight, I think in this fight, Naaman's just got to just do what he does, man. Stop trying to be something you're not. Sure, stand, bang a little bit, but get to the takedowns, get to the top position, and, and, get, and, and get to work, man. Get to work on those ankle locks, those leg locks, all of those things that we know you do really well. And uh, get this fight. Get it on. Get it over with. I can see that happening. I I have the exact same feeling as it get mm -hmm. back to your get back to what made you who you are. Yeah. Like not that you know, his stand up is has become very good. So use it. Use it yep. to get into those grappling situations that Dante Skiro is a good grappler and and I really have a lot of respect for his his ground game. It just it can't compare to mm -hmm. Naaman's when you're looking at them side by side. Naaman Grace is the mm -hmm. better grappler and so Use your strength. Get to a point where the guy cannot hurt you and you can hurt him and get the win. John, these next three fights, I'm going to go because there's Lorenz Larkin, Henry Corrales, and Steve Mowry. So they're all fighting top-level undefeated fighters. So Larkin's fighting Berkamoff, Berkamoff. who is 14-0. Berkamoff is 14-0. And you've got Henry Corrales fighting Ahmed Magomedov. Who's a who's stud. Who's a stud stud. A stud. And you got Steve Mowry fighting Ali Aziev. 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 He's fighting Aziev, who's who's nine and zero. Yeah. All of the Russians undefeated. Lararkin, Corrales, Maori. Maori is kind of very similar to Aziev, uh, where he's ten and zero versus nine and zero. But Corrales and Larkin, with all that experience, way more experience than Berkamov and Magomedov, will the experience be enough for both those fighters? I tell you, you well. Let's be honest. Berkamov and Lorenz Larkin have already had a fight, and it ended in no contest with a yeah illegal blow and stuff like that. So you look and I go. The real question is, can Berkamov get Lorenz Larkin to the ground? Because he cannot be in the stand. Not and Berkamov's got good stand up. He does, but he cannot stay in a stand up battle with Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz is too dynamic on the feet, too much speed and too much power overall for him to take a lot of shots. And so he's got to be in a position where he cannot be hit, and that is on the ground, you know, in the top position. So does Berkamoff take a look at what was going on in that first fight and go, I need to make changes? He's got the ability to win the fight. If he doesn't and he goes back to that same game plan that he had in the first fight, I think Lorenz Larkin is going to walk away with the win and put a big old mark on Berkamoff's record. I agree. What about uh, Henry Corrales and Mark Ahmed Magomedov? Dude, I love Henry Corrales. You know, and I, I, I hate to say anything in this, but I look at this, and this is one where Henry Corrales is going to bite down on his mouthpiece, and he's going to start slinging because that's who Henry is. And yep. it's not. This is not the guy to do that with. This guy has got freaking bull-like power in the featherweight division. 
He is strong. He hits hard. Sometimes he doesn't have the most technical stand-up, you know, where you say throw a straight shot there and he's looping the shots inside, you know, inside. But man, he can wrestle. And if, and if I'm looking at Ahmed, I'm saying, and if to be smart, hey, use all that ferocity you have on the feet to get to that takedown because it's been proven that if you want to beat Henry Corrales, the way to do it is take him off his feet, put him on his back, mm-hmm. and do work on the ground. So does Ahmed go after the big-time you know, performance and the big show of trying to knock Henry Corrales on the feet, which no one really does, or does he put him on his back in a place where we've seen Henry have problems in being able yeah. to get the win once someone does it? Very good point. Uh, other fights on this on the prelims. The fight that I'm looking forward to is the Grant Neal Carl Brexton fight, and then also the uh, Diana Asaragara Saragova Saragova versus Alejandro Lara. Those two fights to me on the prelims should be a fantastic fight. Now I also look down and I see Jalen Bates and Jornel Lugo. That's a great. But fight. in that fight, it is should be a good fight, John. But I could also see the two of them. Just pot shotting each other, making it a sparring match. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't nope. think it's going to happen. Nope. Too too much has been said on both sides as far as you know who's the better fighter and things like that. Lugo coming off of his only loss, you know Bates has not he's not been beat, but I'll tell you what, his last fight he got he got pushed and he mm-hmm. got pushed to the point where you could see a fighter that did not have the skill set to match him pushed him to the point where he was having problems. And I think that Lugo is looked at that and said, okay, I know exactly where to take this and how to make him fight in an uncomfortable fashion. So I think this is going to be a great fight. Bantamweights, boom, awesome. To me, the Grant Neal fight, Carl Albrechtson, this is a, I think this is a big step up in competition for Grant Neal. It Carl is. Carl Brexton's fought Phil Davis. He's fought a, a lot of other top-level fighters, Carl Brexton has. and But he's I coming off a Grant loss. Neal, he is coming off of a loss, but the style which Grant Neal fights kind of plays right into Carl Brexton's style. That grinding style. Grant Neal is going to be pushing on him, trying to get the takedown, trying to get the ground and pound. He's going to be trying to get to that top position, really make him carry his weight. But Carl Brexton is the bigger fighter, the taller fighter. By far. I don't know if he'll be the stronger fighter. No. But he's more, he's more of the, the more of the well-rounded grinder type. MMA fighter Carl Brexton is. Grant Neal needs to be very cautious with how much energy he wastes in certain areas of this fight if he wants to get to get this fight, get the win in this fight. Yeah, I think Carl's wrestling is a lot better than many people give him credit for. Also, yeah. and I know that Grant believes that he can just out wrestle him. You're not going to just out wrestle him. He actually is damn good with his wrestling. You know, coming out of you know the, where he you know trains and stuff, he's training with guys you know like Gustafsson and all them. He's good. His real question is, can he keep from opening up so much that he's taking big shots that are slowing down his performance? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in his fight against Carl Moore, which he lost, that was his last fight. Look, he was doing great. And then he took big shots and trying to land big shots. And you look and you go, what are you doing? Go back to what you were doing before. And he wasn't able to do that. So we'll see. Good fight, though. Got it. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk on CBS. The prelims will be on Bellator YouTube channel. Make sure you guys hit that little bell and that little thumbs up um, and subscribe to our channel for more extra content this week at Bellator on CBS. Fedor is making his last walk to the cage. The and, last uh, walk it, for the last don't, emperor. There you go. Don't miss it. 
All right, Dave, uh, you got some news for us. Let's go ahead and pop off on some news. But before we get started on that news, because I know we want to get right into that fight, I want to say congratulations to somebody real quick. Laura Sanko, congratulations to you on being the first. I, I'm not the first female. No. There was one at UFC 1. Yeah, but Kathy Law. This is a this is a really big deal, and I wanted to just say congratulations to Laura Sanko. She'll be doing the cage-side commentary for this weekend's fights in the UFC. Sadly, I will not be able to watch it until the next day. Because I will be at Bellator CBS in LA. But uh, congratulations to her. I had a chance to work with her through the Alta program with Rich Chow and those, and and she's an absolute amazing person. Super nice. Look, very I, knowledgeable. Yeah, and well, that's the whole point is you know let let's just you know put this out there as it, she's deserved this for a while. Yeah. And the fact that it's someone that has put in so much work and she's always working to learn more and more. She wants, she, she calls me all the time when we talk about officiating. She wants to know about judging. She wants to know about everything. She never wants to say anything that is not the correct thing. She is so smart. She's so well versed in the sport. She's going to do a fantastic job. Congratulations, Laura. You definitely deserve it. No one deserves it more. And best of luck. And uh, as John and I like to say to all the rest, right before they do the, they walk into the cage. Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, girl. Yeah. But good luck. All right, let's uh, go ahead there. What do you got for us there, Dave? So we have the announcement of Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. So we have time to go through and preview this fight right here. It's going to be a headline for a fight night, so it will be five rounds. Ooh. I'm licking my chops right now, man. This is a fantastic fight. We're going to see Max took some time off, some well-deserved time off. Spent some time with uh, his wife and his, you know, his kid and just really had a moment to enjoy life, you know, out surfing, out doing whatever it is he wanted to do. A little bit of training here on the side, but we're going to see if we're going to see like a reinvigorated Max Holloway, the pep in his step. You could just tell John that he, He'd been going back to back to back fights and preparing for the best guys every single. Sometimes you got to take a step back. Yeah. Okay, let me let me let me re-energize. Let me realize what I'm doing all this for. You know, wife, kid. Like, let's enjoy some life. And I think we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see an old version of Max Holloway come out there, just loving it, lighting people up, having a great time. But Arnold Allen's a tough task, man, for a, a comeback fight. Oh, yeah! I'll say it is. I'm glad that he took some time off, but he's not. You know, the time away is great, but he's not taking any steps down in talent against who he is competing no. against. Arnold Allen can win this fight. Yeah. Josh, you know, a lot of people are going to sit there and they're going to look at the name of Max Holloway and think he's going to be the guy that he's automatically got to win here. No, no, no. Arnold Allen has got a full set of skills and he, and I'm guaranteeing you he's going to be working at times to take Max down and take Max completely out of his strong suit which is the stand up but he can stand with him for a long time but he yeah. will work that wrestling he will work towards making Max have to grapple a lot because he knows that's going to slow Max's stand up down it's going to make his arms a little heavier all those things now Max has worked really hard on becoming better and better with his defensive wrestling and his ground game, and he's got a good ground game. Yeah, he does. It's just not, I don't believe, at the same level as what our, you know Arnold Allens is at. And so there is a there is a mark where you look and you say, in the stand-up, I, I give Max Holloway the, the advantage. On the ground, I've got to give it to Arnold Allen. And so you have a distinct line of, you know, where does this fight play out? If it plays out on the feet, 
I think it edges towards Max. If it plays out going to the ground, it's going to edge towards Arnold Allen. But this is this is a great featherweight matchup. Yeah, just Max coming off of I think it was his last fight was um, uh, Yair. Yair Rodriguez, right? But he took some nasty calf kicks in that fight. Yeah. Needed some time to probably just get his legs back underneath. Yeah, trust him. me, Arnold I, Allen saw all of that. Guess what? Exactly. Guess what's coming? Yep, them calf kicks. Yeah. And and I think I think once they make that adjustment, I think once he makes that adjustment, he's gonna be able to really kind of get in there, start getting on the calf, and that that may potentially will change the dynamic of the fight going into five rounds. But Max gotta have to switch stance, gonna have to work on that ability to switch stance and throw in some kicks uh and keeping the distance, keeping him at bay. But I look at Arnold Allen and the size of him, young, strong, the ability to get Max down and be able to hold him down for a round or a half a round yep. will make a huge difference going into those later rounds. Along Absolutely. With Absolutely. But a fantastic fight. Pumped for, oh, yeah. pumped for a great fight. Next. Um, well, actually, wrap up on that one. Oh, oh give us okay. one more. Give us one more real quick. <laughs> All right. Uh, give us one more. While we were filming, Logan Paul and Dana White, uh, dropped our announcement that um, the prime is yeah. the new. Yeah. Wow, that is so exciting. I mean, I want to talk about that. That is, a, how much more could there be? That's probably the biggest news ever. I could give okay. a shit. Really, really. <laughs> no, I, I had tweeted this out yesterday, and I had heard through some sources too that that uh, they were basically just going to announce that he's that uh ufc i didn't know it was gonna be the official drink i thought maybe they'd share it with monster but i think if if monster is out prime is in Oof. i mean but you could kind of tell because dan, dan had been drinking it quite a bit yeah he'd been up on in, the, in public he'd been kind of drinking yep. it quite a bit yeah so you kind of could tell there was something going on with that but uh congratulations to logan paul man yeah. i like the fact that he's taking it in a different area than his brother whereas jake is attacking dana logan's like you know what let me, buddy jump up on the band. Let me jump on the on the Dana White bandwagon, create a little more controversy, and it's me versus my brother and see what I can do. So good for him. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I wonder where that leaves Monster. You know, are they still in there? Are they still mm, not in there? I wonder where that leaves them. Interesting. We will see. But, uh, yeah, we are going to wrap it up on that. Do not forget this weekend. We have got Bellator on CBS. It is free. Not on Showtime. It's Bellator on CBS. So make sure you guys tune in. Go to WayneAndMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies. Uh, new designs. Big John's wearing one right there. And uh, we've got hats. We've got it all. So check it out there at WayneAndMerch.com. And hit that subscribe button. Hit that little thumbs up. That's, that's what helps our algorithm. We want to thank you guys so much. And John, take us away. Everyone out there, thanks for tuning in. Tune in to the fights on CBS on the 4th. You're going to love the show. I will see you.